before we look into the word, shall we allow the Lord to look into us? Unless the Lord speaks, unless the Lord touches, unless the Lord opens our eyes, unless the Lord opens our ears, we will not see, we will not hear, we will not know. So Father, this Christmas morning, as we are in your house, and we have the joy of coming together. Even the brethren who couldn't come for nine months are here today in our midst. And we just want to thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, you touch us. Open our eyes, open our ears. Speak to us. Let not one more Christmas pass us by. Taught us, knowing you, welcoming you into our lives. For as you told the church in Laodicea, the last age, the last church, stand and I knock at your door. If you open, I and my father will come and sup with you. The same God who came 2,000 years ago is knocking at hearts of humanity. Let me in. Allow me in. Make room. We are opening our hearts for you today, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. For every problem of every man, woman, and child, Father, your answer is Jesus. That's what happened on Christmas Day. So speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. To be brutally honest, 2020 was a very difficult year. Very, very difficult year. We didn't even think the last, if you look back, March, April, May, June, July, August, would we have a Christmas? We didn't even know. Now, our 31st night, we still are not sure. We're hoping we can have, but certain states like AP, Karnataka, and all have curfew from 9 a.m. to 2 a.m., no, 5 a.m. So I hope God is merciful and the state is merciful and they do not have a curfew. But you see, the it was the most unpredictable year. It was a difficult year. In the book of Isaiah, which... Peter had read before we started worship in chapter 9 and verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. If never in my lifetime this verse was true, it was 2020. It was darkness and people were literally walking in the shadow of death. My sister was talking to me last week. This is a foreign mantle, so I have to take it off. <laughs> that is before and after preaching. Okay. I was talking to my sister. My sister was saying that my brother, who's a senior doctor in England, was saying he took the vaccination, and the next day the virus mutated. Okay. 
So the virus is mutating. We don't know how many varieties of this virus is going to be around and how many. So people literally, I think finally when eternity begins, we'll see more people died because of the fear of Corona than Corona itself. Because of the famine that came in. Because government doesn't even give you figures how many millions have lost their jobs and are literally without sustenance. And it was a period of darkness, Isaiah is prophesying. And people are walking in the shadow of death. Shadow of death. In Isaiah 60, this is, a, this is something which you see in Isaiah's letter. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness the people. If the word stopped there, we wouldn't be with hope. But, that's the most beautiful word in the Bible. Whenever something absolutely negative is pronounced, and then there is an interjection by saying, but. The Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of hopelessness, there is light, and there is hope. So if you want to put a label on this light, which God said in Isaiah 9 and verse 2, label upon this darkness, in the midst of this darkness, this light will shine. In that same passage, again, that same passage, upon them a light has shined. We can put a label on that light in verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. That's God's answer. That's God's light. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The most strange words in the Bible concerning the birth of a child. But that's not how it is. I'll say unto me a child is born. To us, meaning your family, a spouse and you, was given. But that's not what it says. He says to you, I give my son. This son was not born for God. This son was born for us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Yeah, we'll go back to, yeah. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is the light. If you are depressed today, this is God's answer. If you feel like Future looks bleak and dark. This is God's answer. For every problem everyone will face, God has one answer. That is his son. This is God's permanent solution to darkness. To spiritual darkness. To moral darkness. To ethical darkness. To physical darkness. To social darkness. You name it. Any form of darkness. God's answer is his son. And the darkness was caused because of sin, rebellion, 
and alienation from God. We don't know what happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Something happened and darkness came. And Bible says, darkness covered the surface of the earth. The Holy Spirit was hovering over this darkness. And then God said, that was his son, let there be light. Then God said, let there be light. So God sent his son. Unto us a child is born. One day, the child would stand up in the midst of his people. In John 8, in verse 46, he would say, oh, not that. Mm. I am the light of the world. 12, 12. If, yeah, that's already reckoned. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. That's why, because that was the answer. What Isaiah prophesied 600 years before Jesus was born. These prophets were just prophesying as they were moved by the Spirit. And let me tell you, none of them knew what they were speaking. None of them knew what they were speaking because it is not revealed to them. You can say something which God puts in your heart and never understand it unless God gives you the revelation. That's Mary. She conceived Jesus. She carried him for nine months. She delivered him. She took care of him. She fed him. She changed his diaper. She watched him grow and she did not know him. Unless he reveals himself to her, she won't know him. That's what we need to understand. That's why we have to pray, Lord, touch my ears, touch my eyes, touch my heart. That I might hear, I might see, I might know. Because God cannot be understood with the human mind and human understanding. If he can be, then he is not God. So when you come to church, when you read your Bible at home, when you listen to the word of God, don't rely just on your wisdom, your knowledge, your learning. You will find you will always fall short. So in Isaiah 9, 6, he is wonderful. That's what his name is, wonderful. See, we have lost the effect of that word because we use wonderful with everything. <laughs> Once the day we meet Jesus face to face, we will realize that term, adjective, could have been fixed only with him. He's wonderful. In Colossians 1.18, on which our church was founded 12 and a half years ago, he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. In everything, he is wonderful. In everything. In creation, he is wonderful. In salvation, he is wonderful. In redemption, he is wonderful. In justification, he is wonderful. In sanctification, he is wonderful. Oh, the day of glory, in glorification, you will see how wonderful it is. You can name anything that God does and you can put a label. He is wonderful. He is wonderful. And no man will ever understand even his birth was just wonderful. How he chose where he should be born. He orchestrated the entire event. Who would be born in a manger? Who would be born in a stable if he's come to be king and king of kings and lord of lords? 
That's where even the wisdom of the world failed. The wise men who understood about his coming, when they missed the star, they ended up in the palace and said, where is he? Where is he? Was born king of Jews. They got it wrong. They got it wrong. Because you cannot understand how wonderful he is with human intellect. He was born not in the inn. Not even in the inn. Not even in a house. He was born in the stable. The stable means anybody has access to him. You can be a beggar on the street. You may not be allowed into the inn, but you will be allowed into the stable. That's the wisdom of God because he is wonderful. Wonderful. We are very particular about who comes to our houses. And if we don't feel they're not worthy enough to enter our domain, we stand at the gate and talk to them. Right? Isn't that we do? No, especially in India, caste system. Different plates, different cups. If you have a plate and a cup for them. All kinds of things. But our God, the God, the only God, how wonderful is he when he shows a place to be born that anybody could come. Anybody could come. We hear when he died on the cross, the curtain rent from top to bottom by saying, anybody can come into the Holy of Holies. Let me tell you, no. When he was born in the manger, the curtain was rent. Anybody can come and see my son. It's open for all. Salvation is for all. Unrestricted. No restrictions in coming to God. That's why he's wonderful. And when he returns, boy, he will be wonderful. Matthew 25, 31. When he returns, it won't be the way he came. Oh, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Then everybody who didn't say then will say, boy, this is wonderful. This is no Christmas light (laughs) will match to this. All the lights of the world will not match to this. In First, Second Thessalonians 1.10, scripture says on that day, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, everybody will admire him. To be glorified in these saints. Now everybody's like, I saw you call coming in the morning. I said, you're looking like Christmas trees. Only star is missing on the headrest, all light. We all look and it says, oh, you look good, you look good, you look good, you look good, you look good. But on that day when he is revealed, also he will be revealed in us. And each one will look at each other's glory. Because it's not your glory. It's the glory of Christ in us. Then they will say, you know what? You are wonderful. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Because Christ in you will be revealed that day. That's what it says. He will come that day to be glorified. Not by the saints, but in the saints. Right now nobody sees. We are earthen vessels. Inside is treasure. That is he. But on that day, everybody will say, wow, I didn't know you were so wonderful. I neglected you in church. I ignored you because you didn't look so good. You were not dressed so awesome. But today I see, boy, you are wonderful. What matters in the world will not matter at all in 
eternity. So don't worry. There will be a day when people will call you also. You're wonderful. Because he is wonderful. And it doesn't stop over there. See, in the dark days, especially these dark days and darker days are ahead. Because that's what the Bible says. Okay, so we don't have to look into the newspaper. We can look into the Bible and predict future events. In dark days, in your personal life, in your family, nations, people turn to the left and to the right because there is no solution. 2020, no political leader has any clue what to do. No clue. Vaccination. Will it work? And if the virus mutates, then what? And keeps on mutating, then what? Australia started vaccination, then they withdrew it because found that some people who got vaccinated and got HIV. So they had to call off the vaccines. In one place in the US where they vaccinated, they had to call off because they started having other symptoms. We're just not talking about the pandemic. We are talking about the pandemics. Pandemics. They talk about a third world war. But third world war may not be the like the way we think at all. They say it's already on. This is biological warfare and cyber warfare that the Russians or the Chinese hacked into America's five foremost institutions. They hacked into. It is cyber warfare. It is like hitting Pearl Harbor. Meaning they are trying it out. One day we can bring your entire grid to collapse. Can you imagine what happens to Hyderabad city? Those of us who sit, sit in the city, live in the city, if they bring down our grid, we have no power. We have no water. Even if you have a bore well, you cannot pump your water. Manjira stops. Everything stops. Traffic light stops. Everything stops if they can bring down the grid. That is what they did. They didn't bring it down. We are testing it out. Everything stops. You can have the best weapons in the world, but you cannot have the capacity to launch them because the grid is down. And it's a different kind of a war we are thinking about. We are not thinking about the old kind of first and second world war. That's why political leaders panic. They panic. Nobody has a solution. Personal life, we don't have a solution. Parents have no solution. Spouses have no solution. Everybody was worshipping Saraswati all these years. And 2020, Saraswati went for a toss. Nobody knows how to... You have no clue whether children are studying or not. Teacher has no clue. How do you enforce discipline? Everything is on Zoom. And then yesterday, day for yesterday, news came. Everything that Zoom did, they passed the data on to China. So China has your school lessons also now. Because Zoom is started by a Chinese guy. Are you getting it? People do not know what to do. That is why Isaiah 9, 6 says, He's not just wonderful. He is counselor. He's counselor. That's what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will lead you. You don't have to worry. He said, the worst case scenario, you are arrested and you are taken before the authorities. Don't bother. When you open your mouth, I'll give you words to speak. But the counselor is with you. The counselor is with you. If only we sought the counsel of him, 
was born in the manger. If only political leaders had a prayer closet, they went on their knees and said, Lord Jesus, would you show me how to guide my nation through this hour of darkness? What should I do? What should I do? You see, the Gentile Pharaoh was wise. He had a dream. He had no clue what it meant. And nobody, his magicians, his sorcerers, his wise men, nobody had any clue. Then, the butler remembered. He said, there was a man in the prison with me, a Hebrew. A Hebrew. Paris had called him. And Joseph stood before him. He said, I don't have, but my God has. So I can tell you if my God gives a revelation. And he speaks. And you know what the Pharaoh said? You have the spirit of God in you. You know what? I thought I had all these wise men. Then I see you. You know what? You should rule on my behalf. Because you have the spirit of God. Oh, if kings and political leaders had a counselor like Joseph, through whom the spirit of God spoke and said, This is what you need to do. You don't have to panic. You don't have to panic. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Why? Because God has already answered. What is his answer? Jesus. God has already answered for every problem of man. If only we could hear that counselor. The one who was born in the manger. It doesn't matter how difficult it looks. Sarah is dead in her womb. Abraham is dead in his body. And God says, is anything impossible for me? Why are you laughing? Okay, you're laughing. Anyway, your laughter will change. Next year, this time, I will come. Let me see. It won't be a laughter of scorn. It will be a laughter of disbelief. It will be a laughter of joy. That was a counsel of God. And Isaac's famine, when the entire lot was going to Egypt, God said, stop. He stopped. Sow your seed. Heaven is brass. Earth is iron. So he sowed. And everybody saw a man reap a hundredfold. You know why? Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Jacob's desperation. He clung to that counselor and said, unless you bless me, I will not let go of you. By the time God blessed him, he was not Jacob. He was Israel. Wonderful counselor. In Joseph's captivity, the counselor was with him. As a slave, as a prisoner, the Bible says, the Lord was with him. Who was with him? It was a wonderful counselor. In Moses' discouragement, or Joshua's fear, or Elijah's depression, it didn't matter. The counselor was there. Depressed, Elijah. I want to die. God says, arise and eat. He fell asleep. Arise and eat. This journey is too hard for you. Forty days later, God says, go back the way you came. Anoint this one, this one, and this one. They will continue your work. New strength, new vision. You know why? Because he is wonderful counselor. This is no ordinary man. This is God. Often we struggle because we don't listen to his counsel. We don't seek his counsel. 
God said, be still and know that I am God. The Bible says, those who wait on the Lord shall not grow weary. And they shall, they shall renew their strength and rise up like wing. To run. To run. Some of you need to run. You need to hear this counsel and run. You know why you need to run? Because only seven days are left for the year to finish. And there is so much work God had for you this year which is undone. It's not enough to walk. You have to run to catch up, to make up time. But there is the counsel of God. He will give you strength. Because when you have very little time and a long distance to cover, walking is not enough. You need to run. And the counsel of God says, I can give you strength to run and make up. I can give you back all the years that the locusts have eaten. I can give it back. That's why we need to listen to his counsel. Because what man can do, what man says impossible, my God says possible. My God says possible. It is possible. With God, all things are possible. And some of you may be struggling with sin. Besetting sin. And you feel condemned. You feel cursed. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. You have the counsel of God. Keep this. My strength is there. You do not have to sin. But if you sinned, if you sinned, if anyone sins, you have a counselor. You have an advocate. You have a counselor who will stand and argue your case before the judge of all flesh. You have a counselor. And he will say, wonderful counselor. Let me tell you, in the court of law, Jesus has never lost a case. Never lost a case. His success rate, 100%. Never lost. If he stands up in your defense, you will always go out not guilty. Only reason. Because the counselor paid the price. You don't pay this counselor. That's how he's different. He pays for you. He is the counselor. He has all the answers we need. That's why he's called the word of God. And that's why it says the word of God is forever settled. Settled. No arguing with this. It is settled. The only settled people in India know is how to settle their daughters. <laughs> people come to me, I want to settle this one. But you don't have to worry, you are forever settled if you have this. Because the wonderful counselor is the eternal word. And the word of God is forever settled in the heavens. Like they say in US, you can take this to the bank. Check will be honored, never bounce. His counsel you can stand on it. It is the rock of ages. It's not sh- sh- shifting sand. It is the rock of ages. He's told you something. You can be very sure. It will be exactly the way he has told. Oh, little town, Bethlehem, Ephrata. That's it. Born of a virgin. That's it. It doesn't matter. If the Foster father and the mother are miles away. Far away. At that appointed time. 
they will move because it is written. When was it written? 600 years before. It's the counsel of God will stand. It will precisely happen at that hour. The massive Roman Empire. Huge Roman Empire. No email, no telegram, nothing of that what we think and see. But you know what happens? The census from Augustus Caesar. So it must have taken weeks and months to reach every town. And suddenly it is being read. Every citizen will go to to their hometown. Caesar wanted a census for taxes. But God touched Caesar's heart because his son had to be born according to the counsel of God. So millions of people moving in the empire just to see one couple reached Bethlehem. That was God's purpose. So don't even understand what has happening behind the pandemic and the panic. You don't know what God is doing. You don't know what God is doing. When people, caravans are moving and all these crowds are moving all around the Roman Empire, everybody thought Caesar declared. They didn't know God declared. That was why. So don't underestimate his counsel. In your stillness, in your prayer closet, in the word, when you are listening to the word of God, when the spirit of God tells you something, it is absolutely certain. You can take it. Because he is the wonderful, not just wonderful, he is the counselor. Then if you go to Isaiah 9, 6, the next one you hear is, he is mighty God. The world is full of counselors. Pharaoh had plenty of counselors. Nebuchadnezzar had plenty of counselors. Cyrus had plenty of counselors. Darius had all these kings and politicians have plenty of counselors. They say, advice is cheap. Very cheap. Mine is very cheap. Advice is cheap. Do you have the power to back up your advice? Do you have the power to back up the counsel? There's plenty of counselors. Here, if you go to counselors, we have PTP in Maretpalli, where Christian counselors are there. You have to pay. It's not free. But they will only give you a counsel. And after that, you, it's up to you. you. They won't do anything. You go to US psychiatrists and all, they will give you a nice couch. And they will make you talk. They will dim the lights, put music also for you. And you have to pay. It's called a shrink. What shrinks is your wallet shrinks. Your bank account slowly shrinks. They make you talk. They listen. And they say, do you feel good? Yeah, I feel good. When you go back home, the problem hasn't gone. It's still there. They feel good. You don't feel good. So there are plenty of counselors. But they do not have the power to back their counsel. That's why he's called Mighty God. Just not a counselor. He's Mighty God. Almighty God. I am that I am. I am that I am. There was not one thing that he encountered he could not do. Go through the journey of Jesus Christ. There was nothing that he could not do which he encountered. It didn't matter what sickness it was. Fever, leprosy. It didn't matter. Leprosy, 
of those days is AIDS of today. Incurable. It didn't matter. Fever, rebuked it. Leprosy, be clean. Not a problem. Storm, be still. Spoke to the winds, to the sea, walked on water. How many people? 5,000 men. See, it's us. I'll tell my wife. 100 people, okay? But just see, there is a little more in case extra comes. We always cook more. Jesus, no problem. How many people? 5,000 plus women, children, maybe 10,000. How much? Five loaves, two fish. That would be a bachyaka tiffin. The size of the puri is small. And the mother must have cut the fish. It's small kid, no? Jesus said, give it to me. It's not a problem. This is mighty God. Mighty God. Through the Bible. That's what God says. That is who I am. Mighty God. Jairus' daughter, just dead. Tabitha, come. Little girl, get up. The widow's son, dead for a few hours. Get up. Lazarus, dead for four days. Come out. Death is not a problem for me. You think? Something in your life is dead? Recently? Many days? Many years? God says, I am mighty God. I am the resurrection. That's why it's not enough to have counsel. We need power. Because even with the best counsel, you can be depressed and be miserable and lonely. Our greatest need is not to be called wonderful. It's not for counsel or not even power. Imagine you have all this. There are people, very rich people, billionaires. They got everything. People say, wow, what a wonderful life he leads. He's got the best counsel you need. For every department, he's got the best. Think about India's richest guy. Every department, he runs companies in every sector. Under five more years, he will own India. There's nothing left to sell to him. Only Air India is left, he may buy that also. Think about it. In every department, he can hire the best. And people will say, wow. Look at his, look at his mansion. How many stories? No, 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 no. 35 or something stories. One story is helipad only. How much did he spend on his house? Only 3,000 crores. Yeah. Then, only 3,000 crores. That is MCH's budget for two years. For the whole city, one house. We say, wonderful. Every department, Counselors. And he says, he's mighty. When the government wouldn't dare to go against him. Because if you ruffle him, the economy will crash. They wouldn't dare to go against him. It's too big. It's too big. So what do we say? Wonderful. Counsel. Mighty. That's still, if you meet him, you actually meet him, you will see. He's an empty man. 
It's an empty. That's why rich people, rich people, you see forever committing suicide. Famous people committing suicide. Rich people killing themselves. You know what? You are empty. You are empty. You could have all this and still be empty. That's why in Isaiah 9, 6, he's just not wonderful. He's just not counselor. He's just not mighty God. He is everlasting father. Not just father. Because my father died 26 years ago. But my real father never dies. One left. The other is always there. Everlasting father. Because man's greatest need is not wisdom. It's not adulation. It's not even faith. Faith can move mountains. Man's greatest need is love. God so loved the world. That's why he sent his only son. And what is his son? Everlasting father. Everlasting father. John the gospel, the the, the apostle of love, in 1 John 3 verse 1 says, Behold what love, manner of love, the father has bestowed on us. That is the everlasting father. He says, you know the way he loves you? The everlasting father loves you everlastingly. Immeasurably. Because what's the complaint? My wife doesn't love me. My husband doesn't love me. My children doesn't love me. My parents don't love me. My friends don't love me. That's a complaint. That's, and God says, I love you. Period. For how long, Lord? Forever. Before you knew it, I I did. When you forget it also, I still love you. What is the nature of God's love? Everlasting. That we should be called the children of God. What kind of love? That we could call not subjects, not just servants, not co-laborers. All that is true. We call the children of What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? Jeremiah 31 verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I have loved you with an everlasting, the everlasting father has loved us with an everlasting love. And he has drawn us with what? Loving kindness. With what? Loving kindness. You know the first definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, 4? Love suffers long and is kind. Suffers long. No father has suffered like this father. Because all his children are wonky. All his children hurt him. Every day, every hour, they hurt him. So if there is any father who has suffered long, last count it was 6,020 years. And he's still kind. Suffers long. And he's still kind. He's kind to us. He's kind to us. That's why we are here. We are alive. The pandemic didn't touch us. It went over us. And we came through it. And we'll come through the next mutated variety also. Don't fear. Don't fear about these things. Take precautions. Don't fear. Because there's nobody who has suffered so much as a parent. As a father. And it has been so kind. 
to his children. Even when his hand is hard on us, it's only because he loves us. It's only because, not because he's mad at us, not because he's upset us, but because he loves us. In Hebrews 12, verse 5 and 6, scripture says, Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons and daughters? God's children. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves. This is not the policeman on the road wielding his latte. This is the father who loves his children. This everlasting father, he says, even when I chasten you, even when I scourge you, it's because I love you. And no son was cursed like his only son. For or no son was sin put like his only son. The more you sin, the more the father disciplined. And no son hypothetically sinned like his only son. Because all our sin was put on him. So the father scourged him on the cross. Chastened him on the cross. Scourged him on the cross. You know we have little babies at the back. And a couple of weeks back, one of our babies burned her hand, palm. We know the little one, Davinia, burned her palm. The iron was there. I don't know whether it was on or off. It was hot. Mother, it just takes a fraction of a second for a baby to not get into mischief, but we thought, no, the hand was all burnt. You know, Davinia was in pain. But Sopna was in grief. She was howling. <laughs> Davinia was in pain. Sopna was in when we sin. We look at the consequences and say, I can't bear it. We're talking about our pain. But our father is in grief. Our father is in grief. And this little child that was born in the manger, little kosher Hebrew baby, seed is the God's body is from the mother. Look at him. All pink, pudgy, little, you know. You want to chew it, you want to bite it, we want to do everything with those toes. You know, when the babies are small. The same hands and same feet would be pierced by Roman nails. You know why? Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That's the everlasting Father. He would be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We have all our children, we all think, wonder what they will turn up to. <laughs> Princeton, Harvard, mathematician, engineer, doctor. But there was just one child, baby, that was born to die. Whatever you born for, what are you going to be? I came to die. I came to seek, save the lost. The only way I can is by dying. Let me tell you something about pain, sorrow, and grief. A message you don't usually hear on Christmas. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, it's when grief and pain came. This is when Adam and Eve had sinned, fallen. If you read the entire narrative, man is not cursed. Woman is also not cursed. Her labor is cursed. Woman is not cursed. Man is not cursed. 
God does not curse what he has, his children. God does not curse his children. Okay, He did not curse his children. What he cursed was the ground. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, I have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Because both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. What did God curse? He cursed the ground. Because man sinned against God. When man sinned against man, the curse was even more worse. That is when Cain killed Abel. Genesis chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. So now you are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can be heard. It was a double curse on the ground. He's not cursing Cain. He's not cursing Adam. He's not cursing Eve. See, God is cursing the ground. It's interesting, right? So what does that mean? The ground that we live in, the ground that we operate in has been cursed. That whatever you do, what will it produce? Grief. It will produce grief. It will produce pain. Why? Grief and pain is our way back to God. People think about grief and pain as a curse. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. Think I am a leper. And you are all normal. And we are cutting vegetables. You know what? I cut my digits off. Why? There is no pain. There is no grief. There is no pain. Or I am a leper. And I'm, you see, I keep shifting my weight onto my legs. Because when one leg gets tired, you shift your weight onto another. You know why? Because you feel. James chapter 2, 19. Strange verse. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Do you know what's the difference between the demons and us? The demons also believe in God. We also believe in God. The demons tremble. We may tremble, we may not tremble. But there's one thing demons don't do. They don't grieve over their sin. There's no grief. There is no grief. One thing demons do not do is grieve. So be careful when you lose your sensation. When you no longer grieve over your sin. You are closer to being a reprobate than ever. The everlasting father, Genesis 6, 6 says, the everlasting father. What does he do? The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he grieved in his heart. God grieves. That's why we grieve. Because he made us in his image. Let me tell you something. When man sinned, and God does not grieve, there is no Christmas. And if man sins, and the man does not grieve, 
there is no savior. You know why there is a Christmas? Because God grieved. God grieved. That's why there is a Christmas. You know why he sent his son? Because God grieves. And if we don't grieve, though he came, and he went, and is coming back, we don't have a savior. Because we don't grieve. That's why when we do counseling, especially with couples, the most dangerous part is when one of the parties says, I am dead inside. I don't feel anything anymore. I'm beyond pain and grief. It's a very dangerous point to reach because when you don't grieve, how does God restore? When you don't feel, and how does God restore? Pain and grief was given by God. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. The ground was cursed. So that when you labor, and by the sweat of your brow, when you try, you say, Lord, what is happening to me? He says, come to me. Come back to me. Do you understand? Why he came? God came. Because God grieves. Always keep your. That's why the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because he's your way back. He's the one who takes you back. The little baby was born in a manger in an unknown little town in Judea, the corner of the Roman Empire, because God grieved. And there were many people from history, from time immemorial, like from Abel onwards to Job, I looked for one man. Somebody who could stand between me and God, Lord. One somebody. And because there was people always grieving for a solution, God said, I grieve, you grieve. My solution is my son. I sent my son. The most fascinating part of heaven, most part when we all reach heaven, I hope all of you reach heaven, okay? Don't, don't miss this boat. He came, he lived, he died so that he could take us home. Don't miss that. It's not worth it. Nothing in life is worth it. You should rather die a pauper like Lazarus and go to heaven than die a rich man and go to hell. Don't do that. If you look around, we see, boy, what human civilization has done, right? China just sent their capsule to moon and brought stuff back from the moon. We look at all the stuff that man has done, right? Our innovations down to moon, to engineering, to microsurgery. I don't even understand. They send little things into your bloodstream and they watch it and they do stuff and all. Into your heart and all. The kind of innovation that man has done. Simply because he was created in the image of God. What is going to stun us is when we go to heaven. There will not be a single work of man there. Everything in heaven, everything in eternity will be the work of God and the work of God alone and there will be no work of man. When the Bible says our deeds will go, our works will be tested by fire. It is not what we made. It is our life. How did you do it? Do it did you do it by faith? Did you do it by love? Did you do it with long suffering? Did you have patience? That is what being tested. Nobody's mark sheets. 
nobody's medals nobody's crown nothing will be there not a single thing will be there in heaven no work of man will be there in heaven except one only one work of man there will be only one single work of man in heaven forever and ever it's still there and it will be forever and there look at what it says in john 20 when jesus ah oh, not 17 not 17 what did i give you john 20 uh 27 let me give it to you yeah he said to thomas reach your finger here look at my hands reach your hand here put it into my side the only work of man would be the mark we put on his son it will be there forever the scars we put on his hands the scars we put on his feet the spear that we ripped his side off that is the work of man will be there forever and ever in heaven and everything else will be the work of god no other mark you know why because he loved us loved us our engineering marvels won't be there our medical marvels won't be there Our biological marvels won't be there. Our agricultural marvels, nothing will be there. Our thesis will be all burned in that fire. Every paper we publish will be gone. One work, one work alone. The scars in his hand, the scars on his feet, the side that was ripped, the back that was broken. It's the mark we left on the Son of God. And God will say. it will be there and he's not mad at us he's not upset with us and he tells it in zechariah 13 and verse 6 what does he say and one will say to him what are these wounds bit no no i can have kjv in 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 kjv gets it wrong okay okay one will say unto him what are these wounds in thy hands he shall say those with which i was wounded in the house of my friends is that mad What are these what are these wounds Oh my friends my friends they didn't know what they were doing no. Now will anybody blame Sopna No I said I told her come come down it was an accident it's an accident that's what Jesus is saying it was an accident they didn't know My friends I went to their house they wounded me They didn't know what they were doing what a god what a god look at the gods of this world babylonian egyptian chaldean any anything you do to them boom you are finished what is our god say oh my friends i went to my friend's house they wounded me and it didn't heal i don't want it to heal i don't want to heal I don't want to hear. You know what? These marks are marks of love. My father loved them. I love them. This is a proof that God loves man. You and me. What a God. If you don't love him, you must be blind. What a God. Isaiah 9:6 It's just not everlasting father He is prince of peace 
in John 20 and verse 16. His first words to his disciples is what? Peace. Peace. Oh, the. That's what happens. Like I said, I memorized my Bible. He memorized scripture. Got it? Yeah, it's when he tells, comes over there. Okay, we know. He, the first words of Jesus to his disciples is, Peace, peace, peace. What are the first words? 21. 21. Okay? 2021. Peace. It's Prince of Peace. That's the first words. Why does he say peace? Angels come and say, fear not. Jesus comes and say, peace. Why is these two different narratives? Angels will always come and say, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Jesus doesn't come and say, fear not first. He says, peace, peace, peace. Because if you have peace, you don't have to fear. You can fear and still not have peace. What is the first thing he says? Peace. The prince of peace, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 14 to 17. For, for us who believe, he did not make peace. He did not bring peace. He himself is our peace. That's why God says no man can come to him other than through him. He is our peace. God has made a living way through his blood and the body of his son. He is our peace. He himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinance so as to create in him one new man from the two thus making peace. He not only made peace with man and God and God and man he made peace between man and man. What did he do? He took the whole law and nailed it on the cross. So the devil comes before and says, Pastor Vijay did this. Jesus says, cancelled. He did this according to section, section, this thing. Cancelled. Why he is my peace. All Pastor Vijay has to say, Jesus have mercy. God says, cancelled. Cancelled. It looks so easy. Let me tell you, if you believe, it is easy. It is easy. Look at the struggle of religion. What people struggle for peace. I used to have a friend in Iflu from Kadapa. His name was Mastan. Very good friend. I loved him. Muslim bro- uh, brother from Kadapa. So he, Mastan. So I used to call him Haji Mastan. He'll feel so good. He said, James, I feel good, but I haven't gone on Haji yet. Why do they go? For peace. What all people do, even Christendom, what people do. All you have to do is receive God's own son. Because he himself is our peace. Over and over in this word you see, 14, he is our peace. 15, making peace. 16, and he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace. You who are far off and to you who are near, both to the Jew and to Gentile, what is he preaching? Peace. Peace. 
He himself is our peace. You are no longer aliens from God. You have been joined into the commonwealth of Israel. You belong to the kingdom of God. Peace, grief is taken care of. When you have grief, you don't have peace. When you have peace, you don't have grief. Right? That's how David got up. Is the boy dead? Yes, he got up. He's got peace. I prayed, God answered. But what did you pray for? I prayed for the son's life. What did God answer? Son's death. But why are you okay? I am okay because God answered my prayer. He's not going to come back to me. I am going to him. I have peace. I have peace. God brought peace. Peace is there. Alienation is gone. You know when husband and wife fights, there is both lack of peace and there is alienation. They will sleep like this. And if they are Pentecostal, they sleep like this back to each other and pray in tongues. (laughs) To the same God. There is no peace and there is alienation. What did God do? He brought peace and he brought alienation. Beware. He didn't bring alienation. He brought reconciliation. In Matthew chapter 8, when he comes down the mountain, he had come down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make clean. What did he do? Put out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy was cleansed. One of the first pictures in the book of Matthew of what the Prince of Peace will do. One thing that leprosy did was brought him grief. Enormous pain and grief. Though you cannot feel the pain in your body, the pain in your soul is immeasurable. Imagine you are a married man, living with your wife, your children, your parents, In one day you lose everybody. It's a living death. It's a living death. See, when, some, when one of your child dies, there is a closure to it. There's a closure to it. Right? Like I said, I lost a child. Closure to it, I will see him. When Madhulika left, there was no closure to it. I can't see her. I can't hear from her. And she was my child. For all purposes, she was my child. I love that baby. It's a living death. She's there, somewhere, growing. It's a living death. You cannot meet her. You cannot talk to her because the Lord doesn't allow you. And you tell me, three months, seven months, two days since she left. Three years, seven months, and two days since she left. I haven't forgotten her. Cannot forget forgot her. Because she was my baby. <laughs> okay. It's a living death. When a child dies, there's a closure. But when you become a leper, you can't meet your wife. You can't meet your children. You cannot meet your parents. You are going through pain and grief. And to your wife and your parents and your children, if you see them, your friends, what should you shout? Unclean. Unclean. That's what. It's a living death. You are going through pain. You are going through grief. And you have been alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And Jesus comes and touches him. See, who am I? Prince of peace. Your sorrow, your grief, is dealt with. You are back into the family of God. That's the Prince of Peace. That's why he came. That's why he came. 
I'm telling you, people sitting over here and people who are listening, because every day I get this terrible, terrible letters, which is true. The letters are true. What they have gone through is true. But something is even more true than that. What is it? What Christ has done. Christ has done. He is, he himself is our peace. And all those who were alienated by, from God by the leprosy of sin, he has reconciled us back with God. And God is not ashamed to call us his children. And he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and his sisters. And he says, that's how you should need to walk in these dark days. Because the great light has shined. It has shined into our hearts first. You know what? I am his. I belong to him. And it doesn't matter what happens in my life. Like we say, Indian parents say about daughters and sons, I am settled for life. Not only for life, I am settled for eternity. So don't worry. God says, you are settled. It's taken care of. In my father's house, I have many rooms, many mansions. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So it doesn't matter if you're living on rent. Nobody pays rent there. It's your father's house. It's your father's house. That's what Galatians 4.1 says. Even if you're a child, you end up as a child Christian, not a youth or a father. It says, now I say the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Although, although he's a child, yet he's a it's my father's. You can walk on the streets of gold, walk all around Jerusalem, walk all around heaven and say, this is my father's. Every angel would say, you're right. It's not ours. It's yours. That's why angels are sent to minister to those who are being saved. And Paul says, do you not know that he will rule over angels one day? Because we are God's children. God's children. You see in the White House, there is a six feet, seven inch giant there. It's only 14 years old. His height is 6 feet 7 inches. It's called Baron Trump, the youngest boy. You see, when he, the Secret Service is there. When he walks around the White House lawns, you know the difference, E, not I, difference they show him because he's the president's son. He doesn't go anywhere alone. You know, Secret Service goes with him. He's 14 years old. He has private tuitions, but if he were to go to school, there would be secret service outside, watching him 24-7. You know why? Because he just happens to be the president's son. Did he do anything? No. He just happened to be born in the right family, that's all. That's all. When you're born again, you just happen to be born again into the right family. Did he do anything? Nothing. He did everything. He did everything. That's what God is talking about. That's why the Bible says, think on things that are above. The things that you see are temporary, transitory. The things that are we cannot see are eternal. Focus on the eternal. The darkness will go away. Because the darkness is not the problem that the darkness that is outside. The problem is when the darkness gets inside. Like I said, the problem is not with the disease. The problem is when the disease gets into your mind. Then you formulate your entire life according to the disease. That's why Jesus would ask people, how long? How long? How long has this boy been sin? How long have you been sitting over here? The problem is if your sickness has not entered into your mind, it is easy to deal with it. Once a sickness has entered into your mind, your mindset has become a stronghold for the enemy. 
It's not the problem with the darkness outside. It doesn't matter. Darkness is there outside. Do you know about tomorrow? No, I don't know. Do you know about 2021? I don't know. But the word of God says, as long as it doesn't get inside, his word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. His life itself is a light to men. The problem is not with the darkness outside. The problem is with the darkness inside. And when Christ is born again, he's born again inside. The light is there inside. And he says, grow in that light. I will speak to you. I will guide you with my eye. I'll be a voice behind my ear telling you to turn this side, to turn that side. You have a counselor. And the counselor is light in the midst of darkness. And our problem is we listen to other stuff and not to him. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. The government is upon his shoulder. And verse 7. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The government is upon his shoulder. And the government is increasing. Christ's government has never decreased. It doesn't matter how it looks in the world. It has never decreased. It's only increasing. And in your life also, it should be the same thing. His government should be increasing in me. The more it increases, more peace you have. The less peace you have means the less of his government. Peace is directly proportional to the government. If you are in charge, you have no peace. If he is in charge, there is peace. It's a very comforting thing. I'll tell you one of the most comforting things to do every morning. Wake up early. Okay, Try to wake up early. Open your Bible and make a few statements. One, you are God. Two, I am not God. Three, thank you, I am not God. The most comforting thing in life. The people walk around as if they are carrying the government on their shoulders. God says it's not on your shoulder, it's my on my shoulder. Don't even try to carry it. Don't try to carry it. Prime Minister Modi has no clue. On the northern side, there is a he who is a she. She has no clue. Hmm? In England, Boris Johnson is there. He has no clue. The faster you come with a remedy, the faster the virus is mutating. Nobody has any clue what to do to open up or shut down. One place will say shut down. Another place will say open up. Nobody has any clue. Thank God we are not caught in that dilemma because for those who are his, the government is upon his shoulders. The government is not on the devil's shoulders, by the way. It is on God's shoulders. And one thing 2020 has taught the world is the government is not on anybody's shoulders. And it took only one tiny virus which you cannot see with your naked eye. You need an electron microscope to see the virus brought the entire world onto their knees to prove the government is not on our shoulders. It's on his shoulders. With all our advancement and technology, is there any vaccine which guarantees 100%? No. That's why they have an indemnity clause through the Congress, meaning you take the vaccine, you die, you can't sue the company. That is what it means. That is what it means. Indemnity clause. You can't sue them. The Congress passes the law. Then only the vaccine is out. Otherwise, nobody will manufacture the vaccine. Because if it, it, 100 people can give, 99 people can get healed and one die, that one will break the company. Because he will sue you. See, they have no clue. 
No answer. Jesus, whenever he gave an answer, it was 100%. You shall be clean 80%. He didn't say, you're clean, go. How long has your daughter been dead? Two hours. Okay, she will live slowly. No, get up. (laughs) Did you ever see? Did you ever see? Anything like that? Jesus saying, no. Reason? The government is upon his shoulders. The first Christian Christmas message is still the same. Luke 2, verse 10. The first Christmas message. KJV. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Oh, it's okay. Do not be afraid. KJV will say, fear not. I like the fear not better. Do not be afraid. The grammar changes a little. Fear not sounds much more. It's very, very loud. I am hearing myself from behind the door. (laughs) Fear not. What is the first Christmas message? This is the first words about Christmas. The angels come to the shepherds and tell them. And what is God's message in 2020 Christmas? Fear not. The government is upon my shoulder. What are you afraid of? I can understand them being afraid of. They are afraid of you die, what will happen? Why are you afraid of death? What is the virus can do maximum? Going home, no? It's good to die during Christmas because every time people go to home in during Christmas. I'm not saying you should die. <laughs> Man, when are we going to see life differently? Like Paul, my departure is near. Where are you going, Paul? <laughs> my head is going to be chopped off. That's what I meant. Oh, you call that departure? Yeah, that's departure. Paul says, Peter says, I want to put away this tent. Oh, you're moving on some trip or something. No, I'm talking about this body, about dying. I want to Look at these people, how they talked about death. My departure is near, one apostle. Another one, I want to put away this tent. Anybody who listens will say, do you live in tent? No. Then what tent are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about dying. Just putting away the tent and going home. What are you afraid of? The only thing believers should be afraid of is, Lord, let me not die before my time without finishing my task. And if I finish my task, it doesn't matter, Lord. I don't want to stay one second longer. I need to go home. I need to go home. I want to go home. That's how we were in the hostels. Oh, final exam. Final exam is over. Next day train. Out of the place. Going home. No waiting. No waiting. And if it was possible, there was a train that day evening. You didn't even wait for the next day. You left that day. Why? Work over. I am going home. What did the angel say? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Can we all say that? Fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Because the worst thing that has happened in the pandemic I've seen is that people are afraid. I'm, I'm saying whatever the medical sciences, precautions you need to take, take. But trust God. We've forgotten. We learned how to wash hands. We forgot again. <laughs> the only thing, honestly, the only thing which I like about this pandemic mandate is the mask. 
The only thing I like about the mask is because Hyderabad is the dustiest city in the world. And I was thinking, why didn't I think about this earlier? Because I'm always on my two-wheeler. On the mask, I love it. I mean, honestly, think, what are you afraid of? Afraid of. Luke chapter 1, as we wind up. Biryani is hot and piping outside. <laughs> okay. Not at least it's freshly made, it's being heated in the sun too. Okay. 31 to 33. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Yeshua. He'll be great. And he'll be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. It's a message of Isaiah. Same message. Message doesn't change between 600 years. Message is the same. What did he say about the little child to Mary? What is he telling about the little child? This little child will reign over the house of Israel. And his kingdom is forever and ever and ever. Think about crucifixion without resurrection. Think about night without day. Think about sorrow without joy. Think about incarnation without a coronation. So if he came 2,000 years ago, that same Christmas reminds us he's coming back again. And when he comes back, he's not going back. Nobody is killing him this time. He's going to reign forever and ever and ever. That is part two of the Christmas story. Not the Christmas message, the Christmas story. What is part two? The baby who was born and grew up in Nazareth, was crucified on the cross, was raised upon the third day, is coming back. He's coming back. Remember that, all those who don't believe. Remember that, all those who are slackening in their walk with God. That same baby is not coming back as a baby. The Lamb of God is coming back as a Lion of Judah. There was an illustration a pastor once used. So many pastors have used it. Old days, hotels. Many hotels even now today, especially if you go to the mountains and all. You know, This guy went to his hotel room at night and he took off his boots and he dropped it. It's a wooden floor. He dropped it. And when he dropped it, he felt bad. Poor fellow who is downstairs sleeping in the room below. Okay? I shouldn't disturb it. So he took his second shoe and put it down quietly. Two hours later, there's a knock on his door. And he opened. He said, yes. Sir, could you please drop the other boot? I am waiting. <laughs> because when he dropped the first boot, the other fellow woke up. And now he's woke up and he's waiting for his elbow to sleep after he drops the second boot. He doesn't know the boot has been put down. If the first boot was dropped, be sure the second also will drop. If he came the first time, he's coming back the second time. If I'm right from theologians, there are 316 verses in the new covenant itself talking about his second coming. Not one, not two, not three, 
316. Behold, end, the Bible ends. Behold, I am coming back quickly. If there was an incarnation when God became flesh, there is going to be a coronation. And the question is, will you be there? Will you be there? Will you be there? That's why the greatest sin of all, or ultimately the only sin of all, is a sin of unbelief. Imagine this is the throne room of God. This is the throne room of God. And imagine for a second, I am Jesus. On my right are the sheep. On my left are the goats. Whichever way you want, a goat's sheep. Goats, sheep. On my right, goats. On my right, left, sheep. This will go to eternal damnation. This will go to eternal joy. What is common about all of them? Everyone is a sinner. The difference is they believed and you didn't. That's the only difference. The only difference between the saint and the sinner is they believed and you didn't. And that's in the message of the angel. This little baby who's born, he's coming back. And he's going to reign over that kingdom forever and ever and ever. Nobody's going to vote him out because nobody voted him in. So God says on Christmas Day, do you believe? Do you believe? That's in Second Thessalonians chapter 7. And to give you who are troubled, rest with us. If you are troubled in 2020, God says rest with us. Apostle Paul says rest with us. When Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. He says, if you are saved, why are you unrest? Why is there unrest in my soul? Why are you disturbed in your soul? Rest with us. Because his second coming should not be frightening for you. It should be comforting for you. Death should not be frightening for you. It should be comforting for you. There was an old western movie, very, very old western movie, where a man is caught, he's sentenced to death, though he's innocent of the crime, he's sentenced to death. He's hanged, he's certified dead, but in the room where he's kept before burial, he comes back to life. He didn't really die. Because the hanging did not break his neck. But the problem is he has been sentenced, certificate also been passed, that he's dead. So he got a second chance, because they cannot hang him a second time. So, so he's walking around, he's reformed, he's a good man, and then in one shooting incident, like in all western movies, there is an old man dying, he's in his last stages, and he's looking at him, and he asks him, are you afraid? He says, I am afraid, and he looks at him and tells me, how was it? You tell me, how was it? You went there, no, and came back. You went there and came back. You died, and you came back. How is it? How is it? That's what Jesus says. That's what Paul says. He died and he rose again. Everyone before him who died, died. But he died and rose again. He never died again. So if you are troubled, to you who are troubled, rest with us. Chill. Be calm. Be at peace. Because when the Lord comes, The Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. 
He's taking vengeance on those who did not believe. Because now God has to deal. He's going to clean up. He's going to clean up. He's going to clean up his universe because he's going to start fresh all over again. And he's given the universe 6,000 years to believe. Only believe. He asked, what should we do to do the works of God? Only believe. It's true. Only believe. When everybody who reached to heaven, it's because they only believed. Not because they worked. The works is counted for rewards. But salvation is counted by only one thing. Did you only believe? Vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day, he says, be at rest. When he comes in that day, for what? To be glorified in his saints. We read that earlier. To be glorified and to be admired among all those who believe. All those who believe. Then everybody will be giving high five to each other. Thank you, Lord. I believed. Thank you, you brought me to the Lord. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody, I believed. Yeah, I believed. I believed. You know, that day, the only thing that will matter is, did you believe? Very oft-repeated statement. Only two questions. What did you do with my son? Did you believe? No. Let me deal with your sin. This is part of the Christmas message because the angel said it. God's gift of his only son. So the greatest sin of Christmas is not to believe in Christmas. Christmas has got nothing to do with Santa Claus. You should excommunicate him. It messes up the Christmas message. Christmas is about Christ. Santa Claus is a deception. It takes a message off. You look at all the DPs and all the pictures has come. It is about Santa Claus. Very few about Christ. John 3, 16 to 18. Look at that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes him. Believes in him. That's all. What does Mary have to do to be saved? Not give birth to Jesus. To believe in the Jesus whom she gave birth to. Birthing is not enough. Raising him is not enough. Taking care of him is not. Cooking for him is not. Washing his clothes is not enough. Feeding him is not enough. Do you believe in your son? Because he is God's only son. Do you believe in his work? Do you believe in his life? Do you believe in his death? Do you believe in his resurrection? Do you believe? Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. So if you are sitting here today, somebody who does not believe, don't let one more Christmas pass you by. Because if you don't believe, Your very unbelief has already condemned you. Nobody has to say one word to you. You are already condemned. If Jesus were to come before the end of the service, you are already condemned. If Jesus were to come at the end of this day, you are already condemned because you did not believe. That's all. The most greatest affront to God is that we, we 
disregard God's gift of his son. Remember the king was upset because his invitation, they said, no, no, no. He said, bring them and slay them in front of me. I sent my son. I invited them to my kingdom. I invited them into everlasting joy. And they said, no. They said, no. They said, no. It's an affront. You refuse. Like I said, in heaven there will be only two groups on judgment day. Those who believe and those who did not believe. So do you believe today? I'll give an altar call after this. Because there are two groups here. Two groups here. He has come to you many, many times. From the pulpit, different meetings. In John chapter 11, 1, 11 and 12, scripture says, He came to his own and his own did not receive him. They did not receive him. They did not receive him. He came to his own. They did not receive him. He came to us. Did we receive him? And finally Paul got mad. He said, enough. I'm going to the Gentiles. You don't want Jesus? It's good. I'm going to the Gentiles. He came to his own first. They did not receive him. But Jew or Gentile, as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. It does not matter what you look like today. People will say, oh, look at them, look at them. Look. It doesn't matter. Tell them if your eyes were open, you would know who I am. Behind me, you have no clue. You know, he said, I have got angelic bodyguards watch, walking with me everywhere I go. Which is true. I'm not kidding. King's kids have escort. Always escort. Their angels walk with you. To see you. To watch, to protect over you. His children. King's children never walk unaccompanied. They are royalty. And God says, these are my children. And the, the more you have grown in the Lord, and the more you are being used by the God, it's not one or two angels that is protecting you. He sends a host of angels to protect you. That's why Jesus said, put your sword away. If I need 12 legions will come. 12 regiments will come. Elisha was a man everybody wanted. The man of God. And his servant was petrified when he saw the armies of Ben Haddad and all those Amalekites and all gathered around him. He said, Lord, open his eyes. You know what? He opened his eyes for that one prophet the armies of Israel had surrounded. The host of the Lord had surrounded. You know why? Because that's the kind of protection God gives his servants and his children. I wish you just opened your eyes. Don't look at me as I am. Because you have not seen me as I will be. But on earth we are as he is. That's what the Bible says. So did you receive him? First group. Did you receive him? Don't let another Christmas pass. Because we do not know whether we'll have another Christmas. Because nobody knows that the gospel has reached the ends of the world. Nobody knows when the end will come. Because we have come to a point, you're not allowed to have meetings, right? Most part of the world. So how do you know people are listening? They're all listening on the internet. So how do you know the gospel has not reached the ends of the world? Because that's the last condition in Matthew 24. The gospel shall be preached to the ends of the world and the end shall come. So how do you know everybody hasn't heard? In every language it is being preached. 24-7 it is going. Where did the boys come? Go tell them to come. Food is not so important. Tell them to come inside. They don't have to go out. Come inside. Okay, not, not, not now. The chairs, wait, 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 wait. Let's finish the service now.
I had said that before the service. We don't want disturbance when we give an altar call, okay? Don't disturb. Please be seated. Please be seated. You can wait 10 minutes for dinner or lunch. is okay. Then there are those who believe. But they feel they've lost it somewhere on the way. They are celebrating Christmas, the festival. But they have lost Christ, the person. That's when we go gung-ho about Santa. Don't worry, it happened to Mary and Jesus too. Mary and Joseph too. In the midst of the festivities, he was 12 years old. They went gone for a festival, a Jewish festival. They lost him. In Luke chapter 2, verse 45. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. If you lost him somewhere on the way, go back to where you lost him. For those of you who know him, but you know, I walked away. I've strayed away from the path. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where, when did I lose him. Not that he's lost. You are lost. He's never lost. He's still in his father's house, still occupied at his father's business. Still interceding for you and me. So there are those to whom he has come. Haven't received him yet. To those you received. But somewhere on the way, in the festivity of life, you lost him. Go back where you lost him. Go back where you lost him. Where the voice of the Holy Spirit became still in your inner man. Go back. I want the worship team to come. Peter, come. Sometimes we use cliches that it become cliches. Don't forget the reason for the season. It's not the star. You can follow the star and still miss him. Can we stand? Peter, can you lead us in a song? Can we sing that song? You know that song, Jesus' name above all names. Yeah? His name is higher than any other. His name is Jesus. His name is
Bible says one name, the name of Jesus. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus now on that day will not be put to shame. That's the power of that name. His name is just not higher. The Bible says it's far above every other name. Far above. There's no name compare. You can compare to that name. Salvation is found only in that name. This morning, the light of what you have heard, we gave him our gift. Man's gift to God's son, but the scars he will bear upon his body all of eternity. He says, I was wounded in my friend's house. He bears that mark. It's a sign of his love for us. Now this Christmas morning, you can give a gift back to him. Your life. Rededicate your life. For those who feel they walked away. They strayed away from that narrow path of life. Today, the Bible says, and the Spirit of God says today, do not harden your heart. Because we don't even know whether you'll get a second chance, another chance. The light of the days we are going through. If you want to give your life to Jesus, all of you close your eyes. Don't look around. If you want to give your life to Jesus, or surrender, rededicate your life to Jesus, just walk and come to the front. Is the name above all names, beautiful Savior, is a glorious song, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Repeat after me. Father, I come to you. I believe, Lord Jesus, you came for me. You were born in the flesh for me. You led a pure life for me. You died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead for me. I believe in you. I repent of all my sins. And I put my trust in you and you alone. And I surrender my life into thy hands once again, Lord. 
take my life. Use me for your glory. Let your light shine into my darkness. Call me your own. Father, this morning I just come to you, Lord. We just surrender ourselves as a church into thy hands. And all your children around the world, O oh Lord, for unto us a child was given. For unto us a son was born. That is you. For us. You are wonderful. You are the counselor. You are the mighty God who saves. The everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. The government from today in my life is on your shoulders. I will not bear it. I cast my burdens. I cast my problems. I cast my worries. My grief, my sorrow, my sickness, my infirmities. I cast it all at your feet. For the government is upon your shoulders. And I pray Lord, your government will increase in us. And we know, Lord, as it increases, so will our peace. We will have rest in a turbulent world. We'll have peace in the midst of all this panic and unrest. We will have peace. Because your peace passes understanding. Your joy passes understanding. Your righteousness passes our understanding. We'll walk as you walked, knowing who we are. We're children of the living God. Walking in mercy and grace. Because only royalty can extend mercy. Therefore we will extend mercy to everyone. Only royalty can extend grace. Therefore we will extend grace to others. We will walk because we believe that's who we are. Sons and daughters of the living God. I pray Father would bless your children. Everywhere here and everywhere where they are listening. The hand of God, the mighty hand of God would be there upon them. You would redeem their time. Only seven days left. But Lord, you finished everything in six days. You rested on the seven days. The spirit of God is upon us. We can also finish everything in six days. Because what is impossible with God is possible. With man is possible with God. And you said all things are possible with him who believes. We believe, Lord. We believe. We believe, Lord. You will extend your hand of power over your children. They will put right everything they need to put right. They will speed up things in their life, for oh Lord. And when January 1st is here, they will be ready to enter into a new year and a new promise with the Lord, our Master. Nobody will lag behind, oh Lord. Nobody. No strays. No weak. No infirm in the spirit. Everyone will be ready to enter into God's promise. Oh Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We just lift up our holy hands, sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we declare, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.